Boom blast. This is week four of I'll Name This Football Pod Later on the On Blast Podcast Network, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and YouTube. Tell your friends. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined once again by my dude, Mr. Matt Russell, sports betting professional and host of the Window Sports Betting Podcast. Mr. Russell, heading into week four, how we feeling, my dude? Feeling pretty good. Last week wasn't our best, but it was such a stinky week, right? We talked about it last week. We were going to get tripped up by some things, and by and large, you know, my strategy is like, let's go the whole other way and just take all of the stinkiness and then sort of see where it falls. And I think we did better on the stinkiness than we did on the non-stinkiness, if you know what I mean. So for me, I, I did okay. Um, you know, what about you? Did you did you ride it all the way to the bank? I felt okay. I felt okay. I was worried more about the blow-up weeks, right? Like, again, I'm coming at this from the perspective where I'm trying to pick every single game and just trying to win more than I lose. And when I see weeks like we saw heading into week three, where, ooh, I don't like that week, I'm more afraid of having the blow-up week (laughs) where you're looking at, you know, something like four and 12, just something terrible. So coming out of that week, seven and nine, and really, if I – thought about it should have been eight and eight i'm okay with that and with an overall record so far 26 21 and one hey i'll take that through three weeks and again we're talking here each and every week football from a gambling perspective i make the picks trying to win more than i lose mr russell is here coming from a different angle he's giving you the numbers he's breaking down where the spread started where they're at now where they might be going but most importantly trying to help us all win some money that is a goal that mr russell has and we thank him for coming to bless us with that each and every (laughs) week as well so thank you my dude well, if listen, if you followed just my Sunday night football and Monday night football takes from last week, you said, you know, tell your friends. Sometimes this might just be a tell your enemies type of situation <laughs> because those weren't ideal. Fortunately, did pretty well, like you said, with the underdogs. Carolina money line was a big hit. Detroit money line was a big hit. So, you know what? We did pretty well. Started well with the, the Thursday nighter with the Dolphins money line. So, you know what? Like... You're right. You know, as long as you can avoid the big, complete meltdowns and you give a little bit back and not a lot of bit back, we're going to be just fine. Exactly. You just try to win more than you lose. And then at the end of the year, you want some money, right? So as always on the pod, we discuss and start off with what we learned from the previous week. So what I learned from week three is something that I said I learned in week two. And I'm guessing I could probably say in every week going forward this season. And that is Pat Mahomes is really worth half a billy. But we got to cut in a little slice here for Andy Reid and offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for the job they did on Monday night in completely just making the Ravens look like the Jets. They like they came out with a game yeah. plan that was just they saved all the tricks. They were running all these trick offensive plays that aren't really trick plays, but they might be yeah. for the, the layman's team, the average team, but to Andy Reid and company, it's kind of like, nah, that's just kind of what we do, <laughs> right? In yeah, it's, it's stuff that wasn't on tape, 
right? Because we watched this Chiefs team pretty closely in the first two weeks, and we didn't see lining four wide receivers up back to back to back to back in a row. We didn't see the underhand shovel pass- passes to the fullback. Yeah. You know, they went deep into the playbook. They had a special playbook ready to go, and they had us fooled, and they had the Ravens fooled. And so they come out, and they're, you know, busting out these plays that the Ravens had never seen. Meanwhile, the Ravens are going at it in a completely wrong way defensively, blitzing Patrick Mahomes left and right. And it's like, he's going to eat that up every single time. And I think you're going to, you know, we're going to talk about the Patriots Chiefs game coming up here shortly and how I think that Bill Belichick's not going to play it the same way that John Harbaugh did. Yeah, I mean, coming off that Monday nighter, again, we're seeing them run plays where they're throwing it to offense. They're throwing touchdown passes to offensive linemen and stuff, right? Andy Reid, we talked about that line just being fishy. Like, it just seemed weird at Ravens at three and a half. And apparently, Andy Reid did too. So, heading into week four, we got the Chiefs at home. As you mentioned, touchdown favorites to the Pats. Now... I'm begging and praying for this line to move a little more than that because I'm already leaning Patriots, but I'd feel a lot more confident if it was at seven and a half, maybe eight, eight and a half. Either way, early on, I like the Pats. Is it just because of the short week? Am I okay here liking the Pats at the touchdown spread? Yeah, I, I mean, I think fundamentally you're always okay liking the Patriots, right? Like, <laughs> as long as Bill Belichick's at the helm, you're always okay in doing that, right? And the sharp money is the same way. And so this look ahead line was seven and a half. I was able to grab a little bit of seven and a half before the Monday night game started. And even with that dominant performance by the Chiefs, the line drops down to seven. And we talk on this podcast, on my podcast all the time, about key numbers, right? And the import of what's happening around the key numbers. So you and I could sit around, I do it, you guys should do it. Make your own lines on Sunday night or even before the games happen. So you're not immediate, you know, you don't have that immediacy bias of what's happened that day for the following week. And, you know, if you were guessing this line, like, yeah, you might say eight, eight and a half, but you're not going to say 10, right? So the number was seven and a half, but the sharp money comes in. It goes, you know what? I'll take seven and a half with Bill Belichick. Chiefs on a short week. Belichick's going to do what the Chargers did right? And it's make Patrick Mahomes be patient and make him into a guy who should be, you know, throwing the five, six yarder type passes. The Ravens were like, let's try to nail him. Let's try to put the, you know, the offense in second and 18 by sacking him. Well, he just backpedals, fires one up to one of his guys who's on man coverage and it was touchdown city. That's the exact wrong thing to do. And I'm just frankly disappointed in the Ravens for using that strategy, but that's just kind of how they work and why they've never really had success against the chiefs on the flip side. Like you're going to have the Patriots doing what, you know, the Chargers did defensively, and they're going to stick with the run game a lot longer than the Ravens did, giving up on that in basically the second or third uh, possession of the game, right? Like once there was that tripping penalty that put them behind, you know, the, the stakes, so to speak, then it was all like, okay, now we've got to throw the ball. And, you know, you get guys dropping passes and Lamar Jackson's getting frustrated and all of that kind of stuff. And it was just over at that point. Bill's not going to do that. He's going to keep pounding the ball. Yeah, and that's the key, right? It Especially we've seen this Belichick playbook time and time again where they're just going to run the ball and keep the high-powered offense they're facing on the sidelines. So how do you stop Patrick Mahomes? Well, you, you try to limit the amount of time that he's on the field for. And then when he is on the field 
as you mentioned, try to force them into having long drives in terms of he, he has to check down. You're not going to hit those big plays against the Patriots. Uh, you know, can they rush four and try to get pressure with four instead of blitzing? Exactly what you're talking about. That's going to be the key. You, you saw exactly what not to do from the Ravens. It's so true. And I love the way that you put that. Like, you got to stick to your identity and what you do well. And when you, I look back at what the Patriots did to the Raiders, they started off slow. Mm-hmm. But I reference this all the time. It's kind of akin to the Niners. And assuming, you know, we talk about Shanahan having Belichick as kind of like a mentor behind the scenes, which, we, which doesn't get a lot of pub, but in the sense right. that, you start off running the ball to see how the other team is going to defend it. And then once you figure that out, you're just exposing that for the rest of the game. And that's what the Pats did last week to the Raiders. So the Chiefs defense, another reminder, it's not that good, right? It, it is. No, no, Ravens, it isn't. The Ravens just came out, and I don't know what, as you mentioned, they abandoned what they do well very early and then didn't have an answer now you're trying to play catch up and trying to have Lamar drop back and throw deep. And it's just, that's not sustainable, positive offense for them. Yeah, exactly. And in any offense, right, whether it's the Chiefs, whether it's the Jets, right, you have to stay mm-hmm. on schedule, right? And that yes. means like first and 10, second and four, third and one, or, you know, get a first down. Yeah. And when you're a run heavy offense, right, it doesn't take much to get off schedule, right? One stuff one holding penalty and then you go oh no like we're second and 20 we're first and 20 the run game becomes considerably more different uh, difficult if you can do that with the chiefs in their passing game right by just going here's your five yards at a time that's their best your best chance to stop them is by getting that holding penalty on second and five but if you're just letting them take three shots uh, you know to get a first down when you have the whole field to them like there's just no way to slow them down, right? Like they yeah. can score quickly or they can score slowly, but it's getting off the field two or three times because you were only giving up five yards at a time. That's going to be the key. And of course, Bill knows that. Yep. Bill definitely knows that for sure. And, you know, I like the points at seven for the, the Pats on the road. I'm just going to be sitting there hoping, hoping, hoping for whatever reason it gets to seven and a half, maybe eight, but maybe that's just wishful thinking on my end for sure. And by the look on your face, I could tell that. (laughs) Because I'm looking at it right now and it just, like this morning moved to six and a half. And I talked last week on my podcast about how, you know, and this is a little bit deep, you know, deep dive, but you know, how these number, how these numbers work is on Thursday, the limits get larger, right? So the big money comes in to these casinos, to these sports books on Thursday, right? During the week, it's just all kind of positioning and trying to get the best of the number and sort of maybe even manipulating a line so that you can get something later on in the week. So on Thursday morning, when there's a move off of the key number, like seven, that's really big. So this okay. isn't going back to seven and a half. It'll go, you'll probably find some sevens out there and it may go back to seven, but I think that's a real big indication that on Thursday, boom, enough money has come in on the underdog Patriots here to move the line down a little bit, which yeah. is the sports book inviting the you know public to bet on the Chiefs. To bet on the Chiefs, yeah. I got you. I got you. So also last week, it was a draw in the battle between Dollar Bill, Belichick, and Tampa Bay. Both teams won. As mentioned, I, I liked how the Pats' offense looked. It looked very much like the Pats' very successful 
in terms of long-term success in the playoffs. Like that's how they play. That's how they win in terms of running the ball. When I flip over to the Bucks, okay, Brady still looks very shaky to me. Like there's some throws that look very suspect, very much like Drew Brees, as we've talked about for weeks here. There are some things that were odd there, but they still covered a big number. They still covered the touchdown last week. And again, now in week four, it's them favored at home by a touchdown against the Chargers. I'm hesitating on taking the Bucks again. I don't like it. Godwin, I think, is out this week. Mm-hmm. But as we look at the number, the Bucks are at home, minus seven to the Chargers. And I'm hesitating on taking the Bucks, but I'm, I'm leaning that way so far. I think that's a fair hesitation. I'm going to be on the Chargers because, okay. for one, from a Chargers perspective, if – there's an underdog in the game, you bet that. You take the points no matter who the Chargers are playing. If they're playing the Chiefs, right, you take the points. If they're playing the Jets, you take the points. They always play to a close game. Their coaching isn't good enough to pull away from any team. And their players aren't bad enough to get blown out all that all that often. And when it comes <laughs> to the Buccaneers, this is a team like we talked about before the season started. The Tampa Bay thing is this giant smokescreen when talking about what's going to be successful for the Buccaneers this season. Ah. Their defense is nasty. You cannot run against this team. They are much better than they were even last year when they were pretty good at defending the pass. And now that they don't have these short fields that Jameis was giving up, it's, yeah. it's all in the defense. And they even threw in a punt block last week. And I'm like, yeah. how like Tom Brady has managed to take – punt blocks from the New England Patriots and bring them over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know. The man's magic. I don't even know how he pulled that off, but it was literally the first score of the game was a 10 yard Tom Brady drive because of a punt block. And you're like, man, I thought he'd have to put in a little bit more effort than that. Now, listen, last week was the Broncos who are far worse than anybody can possibly imagine. And listen, we're doing this Thursday morning. Come, you know, comes out later on Thursday. You're probably listening to it, you know, on Friday, that kind of thing. And so the Thursday night game in our world hasn't happened and I don't think it matters, but it does inform what, you know, we have to sort of take from the teams that played on Thursday. And from a Broncos standpoint, you have to see like the Broncos were minus two and a half point favorites against the Jets. And then the money came in on the Jets. The Broncos (laughs) are at a point right now that money came in heavily on the New York Jets. So why am I supposed to be impressed with what the Buccaneers did last week when people are willingly betting the Jets for high amounts of money, right? So that's not all that exciting. Carolina the week before that, we talked about it last week, right? Mm -hmm. They broke a late run to cover that game and still almost got backdoored. And the week before that, they didn't look all that great against a Saints team that, again, another week later, still doesn't have much of a defense, at least for where our expectations were going into the season. So I'm still not buying the, you know, certainly not buying the Tampa like offense element. The defense is certainly very good. But when you're going to give me seven points here, I'm going to take that with a Chargers team that is capable of playing with anybody. And unfortunately for the Chargers, that also means the crappy teams in the league. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Uh, Yeah. And and this is a beauty of the pod, right? I come in, this is my early thoughts. And then we, we, 
we start picking away at it, picking away at it. And it's like, Hmm, okay. Okay. Let me see where that line ends up, especially after the Thursday nighter, just to get your perception on the two teams as well. Give you more information. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Sticking with the theme of what I learned in week three. I learned that I still don't know what to make of the Buffalo Bills because I know we've been talking about it each and every week. You've been telling me we got to change the way that we think of the Bills. This is not the Bills that I'm used to in terms of the shakiness. And what happened last week was in the first half, I was like, okay, we're here. The Bills are that deal. All right, cool. And then the second half happened. And yes, the Bills still won. I'm not going to say they won because of the shaky pass interference call because there are bad calls on both sides. Cool. They win. They cover. Cool. But now they are road favorites. They're getting, or sorry, they're favored by three points in Vegas against the Raiders. Should I be that confident in Josh Allen to cover three points in Vegas? Yeah, yes, uh, for a couple of different reasons. And it, okay. listen, it's not one of my favorite plays by any means, but I think the Bills are an interesting case in point, right? And you know the old phrase like, you know, not your grandfather's Bills, not your father's Bills, not your older brother's Bills. In a way, these kind of are your father's Bills in that like <laughs> they're a little bit more like the early 90s Bills than the Ooh. ones from the last 20 years or so, right? Like, again, we okay. talked last week. We have to reframe how we see this team. This team is an offensive first team, right? So as Patrick Mahomes is getting coached up for the last three years by an offensive genius in Andy Reid, Josh Allen is just starting to get the benefits of Brian Dable, a guy who not many people are talking about. But this offense is clicking right now. And they got out to the 28-3 lead, and they blew that lead. And I think they did it for two reasons. One, if this wasn't COVID times, right, and we had a packed you know, stadium there, whatever they're calling it, New Era Stadium still. It's always going to be the Ralph. Come on. It's always going to be the Ralph, Rich Stadium even, speaking okay. of, you know, your father's Fair bills. Fair it's, enough. Like, if that place is rocking the way it would be at 28 to 3, there's no way the Rams come back because they wouldn't be able to hear themselves think in that stadium, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. there's just no chance of that being the case. But there's nobody there. It's essentially feels sort of scrimmagey. You're able to communicate on offense, which is why overs are absolutely killing it this season because all the offenses are able to communicate. And then the other thing is the Bills are still a little immature, right? Like this whole being good thing is still kind of new to them. And so when you get up 28 to 3, you sometimes forget, like, you still do have to play the last 30 minutes. And the Rams are good enough to exploit that if you're just not sort of ready for that kind of feeling. Now, when you go ahead to this coming week, a lot of it's going to depend on who's able to play for the Raiders, right? So if they're without their wide receivers, their top two wide receivers, which is looks like that's going to be the case. Darren Waller didn't play all that much last week. And so what the Patriots did, and it's a for like the first time in the history of football, they double teamed the check down against yeah. Derek Carr last yeah. week. Right? The check down got double teamed. So yeah. I'd like to think that the Bills see that if I know that, right? I always kind of say mm -hmm. if like some idiot in Toronto sees that the coaching staff who's you know in charge of studying all of this should see that too and Hell so yeah. whether they you know deploy that necessarily it's like i think the whole raiders offense thing is getting found out here and i don't think their defense is good enough to stop the bills you know even though it's on the road right it's still pretty neutral territory when it comes to that and these indoor spots 
are fast tracks and the Bills are the faster team right now. And again, that's not something we would say over the course of the last, what, 20 years? It's a great point, man. And, and I'm getting there, you know, I'm getting there. Maybe I'm still immature in my thoughts on the Bills and I got to mature a little more with them as well <laughs> as they progress into being a legit team in the league. So totally hear you. Totally agree with you. And I'd much rather be on the Bill side of this than I would rather be on the Raiders side of this. I'll say that much for sure. So although I'm, I'm still skeptical about the Bills, leaning with the Bills, but skeptical, one thing I did learn for sure is Aaron Rodgers is still really, really good. And I think the Packers might be good as well. I see the look on your face. You're kind of like, eh, I don't know. But Packers cover on Sunday night against the Saints, who are probably really the team we should be kind of questioning and skeptical about at this point. But anyways, we'll stick. We'll, we'll get to the Saints in a bit. We'll get there. The Packers are seven and a half point favorites at home to the Falcons. <laughs> Yeah, and this, 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 I know, the Falcons just induce laughs at this point, right? But like when that happens, like for our purposes, that's where we jump in. And we talked about the Falcons last week being favorites and how in theory you're supposed to bet the favorite if they're 0-2 in week three, right? Because Mm -hmm. of the backs against the wall. And we obviously think that the team is good enough to be favored. So you know, in most cases, you're going to get some value in that. We talked about how, like, I can't do that with Dan Quinn. My guy's a train wreck, right? And so I took the Bears. I took the Bears in the contests. I'm, I'm sitting there watching this game, and they're down 16 points. And I, I don't want to say this weird calm came over me, but I was like, I'm watching the rest of this game because yeah. I don't think the Bears are out of this. And they scored yeah. two different touchdowns that got called back even before the three touchdowns that <laughs> they scored to get the win. So there was yeah. five touchdowns in the second half of actually dudes with the ball in their hands briefly in the end zone. And so for me, it's like, it's proof in the pudding, right? You cannot trust the Falcons as a favorite. Here's the catch. They're not the favorite this week. Hey. First time all year, this is a Monday night football game. I really, really like, and it pains me to say it, but I think we have to bet the Falcons. They are too good in accruing these leads that they can blow the game. Feel free to do it. Blow the (laughs) 40-point lead. I don't care. Blow whatever kind of lead you want. Let's just... (laughs) Make sure that you lose by one, by three, by four, right? Like, let's make sure that's the case. And obviously, stock could not be higher on the Green Bay Packers right now. And Mm -hmm. going into the season, it was they're going to regress, they're going to regress. And this is another sort of lesson here that sometimes we get too smart for ourselves. And we, you know, if everybody's saying one thing, And even if it's to try to be contrarian, it's like we out contrarianed ourselves. So we're like, oh, you know, the, you know, the Packers who were 13 and three last year, like it was a pretty lucky 13 and three, they're going to see some regression. And so it goes from like, okay, so maybe they finish 11 and five to like, oh, they might be six and 10 this year. And it's like, wait a sec, like, you you know, okay, they were lucky to be 13 and three last year. But that doesn't mean they can't be good this year. Like, they could just be regularly, you know, normal lucky or, like, not lucky at all Mm -hmm. and still be 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 just because they had a good season. There's no, you know, you're not committed to being bad just because you got lucky last year. And so that being said, 
it's too many points because nobody wants to do anything with these Falcons at this point. Yeah, and I, I was over here fist pumping. People that are seeing the video <laughs> will see me fist pumping as I was hearing you talk because we you mentioned at the start of this pod and we talked about it off the air, right? There's certain things I'm starting to sniff out that I know that before I definitely wouldn't. And one of these things was, okay, yes, the, the, the bad juju or the bad vibes around the Falcons would normally just have me being like, oh yeah, for sure got to take the Packers. Packers are rolling. They'll dummy the Falcons. But stopping for a second and paying attention to the number and then realizing, yes, I also did learn that I feel bad for Falcons fans because they're cheering for them to win games. That's not what we're doing. We're here talking about numbers and gambling lines. And so when I look at the line and the number of seven and a half, I say, hmm, okay, I still think the Falcons can keep the game close. I still think regardless of what happens, they can put up points and keep it interesting with Aaron Rodgers. They can at least be in the mix for a, definitely be in the mix for a backdoor cover in worst case scenario. That's a, that's a Matt Ryan special that we've seen over the years. So I, I love the seven and a half number. So as I was hearing you talk, I'm here fist pumping like, all right, all right, we're on the same page. And again, this is an important reminder. A lot of these things are about reads and you can be wrong, but overall in terms of just how you're reading the teams going in from week to week, to me, that's a much more important thing that I'm trying to get on board with this, this year, as opposed to just, okay, well, the Packers are going to blow them out because they've blown out everyone so far and the Falcons suck because they keep blowing games that as winning and losing isn't the same as point spreads. Yeah. And it's so like, Listen, if Taysom Hill doesn't get involved on Sunday night and fumble the football and oh, the Saints yeah. drive that down the way that they were, you know, they were cooking on offense, even with Drew Brees' you know, noodle arm at this point, mm-hmm. you know, like, and the Saints win that game, you know, is the point spread different? Like, probably, it's probably not as high as it opened at seven and a half for Green Bay, right? And yeah. all it took, so now we're talking because Taysom Hill fumbled we're now supposed to like extrapolate that into something that happens this week. Right. So, you know, this is a line that was like three and a half, four before the season started. And, you know, as much as they've blown the games here, the Falcons, like nothing's really changed from before the season. (laughs) Right. So So we're getting all kinds of value on the Falcons. Oh yeah. Your your man's Dan Quinn is Dan Quinn, right? He's he's still, he's still doing his thing. And you know, the stat here I I wrote down is pretty funny over the last 20 seasons. No team has ever blown multiple 15 point leads in the fourth quarter in one season. The Falcons have now done it in back to back weeks. Right. And that's impressive. Welcome to do it a third time. Welcome (laughs) to Because I get if they have a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter, we're going to be sitting pretty, right? Like where do I sign up for that? Blow it all you want. Totally, totally, totally. And again, I did learn that I feel really bad for Falcons fans, right? Because y'all, y'all are here like buying into this team every single Sunday. That's a tough life to lead. Definitely a tough life to lead. Um, also a tough life would be a Mitch Trubisky fan as that era is now over. You mentioned this game in terms of the, the Bears, the Bears game last week and the Falcons. Bears making a huge comeback as Nick Foles is now the starting QB in Chicago. And with Nick Foles being the starting QB, they are home dogs 
at two and a half to the Colts. I'm with the Bears and taking the po- the points, but that kind of seems too easy. Like, as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely taking the home dogs. Nick Foles trust way more than Trubisky to at least make plays on offense. So is it too easy or no? Just makes sense. I don't think so. And again, you know, a lot of what I do is sort of trying to read the market on this, right? And it's, you know, we talk about the six and a halfs and the sevens. I think the threes are more important, you know, when it comes to a key number and some, you know, this past season was the first time set. It landed seven more than it more often than it landed three. So maybe not quite as important as it usually is. But the point is, is that why isn't this up to three? Right. And so when we do the whole, like, what's the one sentence statement about, you know, fill in the blank team for the bears, it's fraudulent three and O team. Right. And we talked about it last week, fraudulent two and O team. And it's like, okay, but like, they still won the game, which there's a lot of fraudulent teams out there that are two and one, that are one and two, that are 0 and three. So winning the game is kind of the point, right? And so, yeah, they're not the Chiefs. They're not like the good team. They're not even the Packers necessarily, yeah. right? But they are doing enough to win the game. And they are not screwing around here by making this quarterback change, right? Like they could keep going with Trubisky and just kind of burn this thing right to the ground. But they're like, you know what? We're 2-0. and This Falcons team's garbage. We can make a comeback here. Let's throw Nick Foles in. And he just starts slinging it around, right? And the other guy is David Montgomery. David Montgomery is going to be a household name soon enough. He is carrying dudes on his back. Now, you've got this Colts team. And let's look at from their perspective. They beat the Jets. They beat them up good. Congratulations. They beat the Vikings, who again, what's my term? The Vikings stink. And congratulations. And they lost to the Jaguars. So I'm still waiting to see where I'm supposed to get excited here about the Colts. I'm not saying I'm not going to be or that I don't think that they're a playoff team or that they're capable. It's all just a little bit too skewed. So I actually think there's a chance that money comes in on the Bears here and moves it to a pick similar to how we saw with the Thursday night game of the road team being two and a half point favorites and it moving to pick or even minus one. And, you know, for me, the best bet in all of this right this second is to find a tease partner with the Bears because teasing you want to do from two and a half up to eight and a half in a six point tease because you're getting that three you're getting four you're getting six you're getting seven and you're getting eight and you're getting all kinds of value for what's a relatively expensive move in teasing now there's a bunch of other things you can work with from a tease standpoint but this one is that's where I would go with it unless we see threes with the Bears but at that point it's sort of, you know, like a catch-22. It's like it moves to three because enough money has pushed it there, which, like, legitimizes that move. So I would be like, oh, okay, I don't really want to do that. But I just kind of think it might end up going the other way. So if you're kind of looking to beat the market, I would money line the Bears more than Ooh, anything. I like it. I like it. Uh, we touched on this a little bit as we're talking about new QBs, and we talked a little bit about the Saints game and – Taysom Hill and Sean Payton's continued love affair with Taysom Hill. So that clearly was a turning point in that game. And you're you're totally right in how you touched on the fact that how much that one play is now affecting how we think of the Chiefs over or the Chiefs. Whoa, what's wrong with me? How we think of the Saints overall, right? So heading into week four, they're four-point favorites in Detroit. 
I like Detroit in the Vegas zone. I don't know why. I don't know. And it, it's just maybe it's exactly what I just said. I'm being swayed by the one play by Taysom Hill. And that's making me now, for some reason, trust Matt Patricia and Matt Stafford over Drew Brees and Sean Payton, which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> especially sure. when I think Michael Thomas might be back this week as well. But this game in the Vegas zone at four points, what, do, what are you seeing here? Well, I think this is the Vegasy Vegas zone of the week, right? <laughs> like, if it goes to, like, six, like, mm. it's all, you know, hands on deck here with a Lions bet. If it fell down to three, I think you have to bet the Saints, right? In the yeah. middle here at four, four and a half, right? I think it's going to move up a little bit, right? The public okay. will come in on the Saints, regardless of what's happened to the point to this point this season. From a Lions standpoint, right, that's a different team when Kenny Galladay is in the lineup on offense, right? That allows them to do a ton. And listen, the Lions and the Cardinals was not the feature presentation for most people, right? I'm not most people. I was locked into that game, right? I had Lions spread in contests. I had Lions money line. I had all of the Lions, right? And so I'm watching that game and I'm really impressed with the offense of the Lions when Galladay's in, right? He pushes Mm -hmm. everything back. He's the, you know, he stretches the field. He draws coverage, right? And so they were able to free up TJ Hawkinson and even Jesse James from a tight end perspective so that they were now using all of their guys, right? They had a almost touchdown call back on a deep ball to Marvin Hall, who's their sort of like once every two games, like deep threat. So offensively, I think they're going to be just fine in yet another, unless it's sort of a broken record because I could have applied it to like three games we've already talked about and three games that we will talk about. But you know, it's going to be another offensive shootout here. And the Lions are slowly getting healthier on defense, right? We talked about them being without a ton of guys in that second half in game one and week two, you know, being banged up. Well, they did just enough, two interceptions of Kyler Murray Murray, and three turnovers overall. And so they were doing just enough. Like in theory, Matt Patricia is supposed to be a defensive guy, right? So that team Mm -hmm. should have a plan week to week defensively. And Listen, by the second half, I'd like to think that the Packers had figured out that Drew Brees was going to do a lot of look deep, look deep, look deep, fake, and then just dump it off. And then eventually, right, there was one play where it was like Kamara finally got stopped on that play. And it was like, oh, because you guys realize that whether there are guys open deep or not, Brees doesn't want to do it. He does not want to do it. And I'd like to think that the next coach, if he's worth his salt at all, (laughs) is going to see that and work with that. Now, you mentioned the Michael Thomas thing, and that obviously changes things offensively for the Saints. So, again, in these games where it's back and forth, shootout, guns blazing, you want, I think this season, you want the points. Because when the merry-go-round stops, when the musical chairs stop, right, you want as many options as possible to be correct, right? Backdoor is available here. Yeah. I'd like it if there was a home crowd, right? I always like Detroit at home with the home crowd going if they're getting points. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. But again, this is just a different season, which makes me a little bit more hesitant on all of these different spot type of plays here. And with both these teams being one and two, it's kind of an important game potentially. Huge. Massive, 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 massive. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in paying attention to the Vegas zone on that one as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm loving the point. And most often than not in the Vegas zone, I'm going to take the points. I'm going to be honest, but you know, this one for sure, that's what I'm looking at, but I really do want to see if Michael Thomas is going to be in the lineup for sure. 
And, you know, as you mentioned, Galladay, he, he played last week and was fine, but, you know, still working his way back. So going to be interested to see how that plays out. But in terms of the Vegas zone, speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, last week, somehow, some way, I have no idea how they didn't cover that five-point spread. That's just one of those games where you just chalk it up and you just say, all right. Like, they were about to give up the game-winning field goal, right? About to give yeah. it up. They lose the, the Seahawks kick a field goal. The Dallas Cowboys cover. Everybody goes home happy. And then they give up a touchdown instead. Then they give up a penalty on the two-point conversion and then allow the two-point conversion and not cover the five points. I'm not bitter at all, though. <laughs> right? Not at all. Listen, and I just mentioned, right, the, the musical chairs theory. And it's yeah, like, if yeah, the yeah. organizational cover is my favorite, your phrase of this season, yeah. the musical chairs is my favorite, okay. my phrase of the season. Yeah. Because it really is, right? Like, yeah. if there's 30 more seconds, or if there's one thing that goes a different way, right? Like, Dallas can go back, you know, get, get the score coming down the other way. And, like, there's mm -hmm. extra points being missed. There was a safety at one point. Like, it's just points are getting thrown Straight up in the chance. air, and they all kind of fall down. And then, like, zeros hit the clock, and you go, like, what was the score? And it's like, it could have been three. It could have been five. It could have been four. It could have been Dallas winning. Whatever. <laughs> and it's like, the one result was Seattle by seven. That would have had you lose your five, your five and a half point, you know, Dallas ticket. And it just so happens that like there were five people fighting for four chairs and you were the one who didn't get the chair in that spot. Right. And it's like, you were right next to a chair so many times walking around the circle, but some jerk hit the button to stop the music right when you were in between chairs. And that's kind of what happened to the Cowboys this past week. It was completely insane. But they, they've they been living in the Vegas zone for the majority of the season so far. And they're yeah. right back there again as their four-and-a-half-point favorites at home to the Browns. Again, in the Vegas zone, I like the points. But am I just being bitter towards Jerry's crew? No, I don't think so at all. I think, I think the Browns are actually quite live to win this game. Like the Browns okay. are under the radar right now, right? And it's for obvious reasons. One, they're the Browns. And two, <laughs> their opponents this last couple of weeks haven't exactly been stellar, right? But what they are doing is they're coming at you with this two-pronged running attack where right yeah. now both Chubb and Hunt are legitimate. Like you can own them both in fantasy and it's not like a completely ridiculous situation. Or like yeah, you yeah, could yeah. own one and not the other and you're not going like oh, I really desperately need both because one's the backup or something it's not that case right and so if they can just calm it down with Baker that yep. they can do that against the Cowboys defense which is legit terrible right and so we're doing this thing and again bro broken record it's going to be back and forth it might be a little slower back and forth with a little bit more of a run game than these other cowboys games have been yeah but i think you know again you're getting as many points as you possibly can here i think we could get five potentially so that when you you know worst case scenario in theory is you've got the two-point conversion situation late 
that, you know, you might have to come to that type of a thing, right? Like that's why five is all of a sudden a more important number than it ever has been before, because either you're trying to get it up to seven, you're trying to get it to three, right? So games are landing on five more than they're landing on four, which used to be kind of a relatively important number. And so I think you're right. Like, I think that, I think the points are a fair play here and I'm going to be playing the Browns on the money line as well, because there's just nothing out of this, both the Brown, the Browns, the Cowboys defense at this point and a pretty banged up Cowboys offensive line. Like they were pretty impressive to score as many points as they did last week, given that that's kind of pasted together here. And the Browns defense, believe it or not, is actually better than the Seahawks good. right now, right? Like Miles Garrett is far more of a threat than anybody that's on the Seahawks defense was last week. So if they're still banged up, on the offensive line, the Cowboys could be in trouble here. And this could be sort of the one of the sort of surprise upsets of the week. Totally. And you talk about upsets, the Browns being over 500. I was looking up while you were talking there. I wanted to get this correct. But the last time the Browns were over 500, LeBron James was in his first season back in Cleveland. DeMarco Murray was the NFL's rushing leader. Tom Brady only had three Super Bowl titles. Baker Mayfield wasn't playing football, having to sit out a year after transferring to OU. Mm, that was okay. the last time. Been a while. Been the a Browns while. were over 500. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's weird things. And it, it's kind of like the same thing we were talking about with the Bills in terms of changing the way that we think of these teams in terms of the Browns because we're so used to them being trash. And it's like, right. no, no, no. Like, they're actually a pretty solid team. And it just took them to figure out, as you mentioned, running the ball, not leaving it in the hands of Baker to be running around trying to like make plays and just throw it up to Odell all the time. It's like, no, no, no. Take calculated chances. So they're getting there. They're not fully there yet, but they're getting there. And I'm definitely willing to take the points in the Vegas zone against the Cowboys for sure. Uh, One thing I'm not sure about because I was reminded of this last week and I learned how ridiculous it can be sometimes when we're dealing with the double digit spreads. Okay. And I said, we talked about it last week, you know, an easy rule to go by is just to simply say, Hey, just take the points and trust the math that if you just take the points, every time there's a double digit spread, the math tells you that you will win more than you lose. Well, with one caveat, right? We need (laughs) underdogs to have a functional quarterback right oh, like we getting... can't have you know uh, luke falk in to be <laughs> the quarterback sure. like that's not going to work now the problem is on the surface sam yeah. darnold's a functional quarterback right yes. problem is like what's the recipe if you're the favorite or if you're the underdog however you want to put it yeah. what's the recipe to cover the double digit spread as the favorite or right you right have you know if you're the yeah. underdog be covered against you're you're going to get defensive scores defensive points right. points just about, not from your offense two pick sixes <laughs> and one interception in the offensive end zone right so like you've literally got 21 points there 14 Insane. that you gave away and seven that you didn't get when you were that close to scoring That's 21 points. Like, of course, the favorite's going to cover under that circumstance. But, like, how are you supposed to predict the two pick sixes? Like, maybe two interceptions, but the two pick sixes and three interceptions overall, 
right? Like that's just a little Didn't far. Did my dude throw a pick six to start the game? Like you can't predict in the that. first drive. Yes. Like that's yeah. just. I mean, what what is going on here, right? So we bring that up, and hey, again, you you almost gotta write it down and just not pay attention to it, so that you're not affected by, as you mentioned, Sam Darnold doing Jets things, Adam Gase things, right? Right, and people may be listening to this right now and watching Sam Darnold have a really nice Thursday night game. Right, totally and true. it's like right, and it's like he is functional. It's just mm-hmm. the misfortune in a lot of ways of like you know those touchdowns didn't need to be returned all the way to the end zone. Right? <laughs> well, it's also too as as bad as Sam Darnold looks. Some of that is just the overall stench from the organization right now, right? Sure. Which we'll get to when we talk about the Niners for sure. But the double digit spreads. There's two of them this week, and you know. <laughs> I'm looking at them and you got the Ravens as 12 point favorites in Washington. And then you have the Rams as 12 point favorites at home to the giants. I'm going to be very honest here. When I look at the Ravens game, because Washington's at home, I'm, I'm, I find it a lot easier for me to just write down and say, Hey, I'm going to take the Washington Washingtonians plus 12. Okay. I find it easier for me to say that on the flip side though, hold on on the flip side though. I can't take the giants under any circumstances. I just can't do it. So maybe we'll start with Washington first and we'll start there and then we'll get to the giants game, but Washington first. Well, I think they're kind of related in a way. Right. And again, what Ah, did I just say as far as like the, the rule is right. And it's sort of like, is Dwayne Haskins a functional quarterback at this point in time? Right. Five turnovers, I think last week against the Browns. Right. Uh, And like, we can do the whole, like the Ravens are angry that day, my friend, like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. (laughs) Like you could, you know, you could do that motivational angle. And like, that certainly makes sense. But the reality is the Ravens are the backyard, the schoolyard bully. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, they are going to beat the brakes off of Washington because it's, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, it's not a road game, right? It's a neutral site game that they can drive to. They are, you know, Baltimore and Washington are essentially in this place. And so do you trust Haskins to be functional against an angry Ravens team? I don't. So Mm -hmm. for me, I think you have to, and I like, Listen, if you're picking every game the way that you are, I think you have to take the Ravens here and dare Dwayne Haskins to beat you, right? And so once you do that, I don't know that you want to watch the game by any stretch. You know, it might be a little bit easier watching the game when you're on the Ravens than it would be on Washington. (laughs) And on the other side, you know, what's your take on Daniel Jones, right? Because sometimes he does look functional, but he still has that turnover prone element, right? And you can throw Darnold and Jones and Haskins all into that bucket of guys who just turn it over a ton, right? Young quarterbacks, some guys been in the league a little bit longer than the, than others. But for the Giants, like if you had to pick an underdog here, like I don't know if it's me just being stubborn on this, but I think I would still take the points with the Giants. And okay. I, if I'm going to bet it, I'm going to need 14 points on either <laughs> side, like to bet the underdog. You. Anything under 14, like I'm okay with for the Ravens. Like 13 would be okay, right? Because I get 23 to 10. Like that seems like a very reasonable, like worst case scenario for the Ravens. 
Yeah. For the Rams here, like, I'm not sold on the defense, right? Like, the Ravens had a bad defensive plan against Patrick Mahomes, but, like, that crazy blitz plan is going to work pretty well, probably, against Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Very and, well. Like, turn things into a 41-10 to 10 type of a game. Whereas, like, what's the Rams' defensive plan that I'm supposed to be worried about? Right? Like, it certainly wasn't there against the Bills. It wasn't necessarily against there against the Cowboys in, in that first week one game. You know, like, maybe a little bit, I guess, against the Eagles, but, like, the Eagles are a train wreck in and of themselves. So, you know, from a backdoor cover, like, how, hot, how many points do you have to be up to feel comfortable if you're betting the Rams in this one? Like, 24 points is probably where you need to be before you're like, okay, like I'm all right with this. (laughs) It wasn't pretty for the giants last week, but like at least they've been competitive against the bears on the road and against the Steelers early on in the season, Washington, on the other hand, you know, obviously won a game, but like it's been really five out of the six halves that they weren't all that competitive. Yeah, I, I like that. I like how you phrase that. And I came into this thinking with the two double-digit spreads, there's no way I'm going to take the same thing in both of them. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like one of these are going to cover, the other one yeah. isn't. And so it's kind of figuring out which one you trust more to cover the 12 points, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it certainly leaves – I mean, at the end of the day, right, like whether you do underdogs in both or favorites in both or try to pick one or the other – you're, you know, there's still a chance you go 0 and 2, right? For like, sure. there's, just, totally. there's just no way to be like, we'll take them totally. both and you'll probably go 1 and 1. Or take, you know? totally. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's tricky, man. Like, that, the big spreads are tricky. But I just think Daniel has a bit of a better chance to kind of keep this within shouting distance and then maybe slide through the back door. And I think, too, it's like, yeah, slide through the back door for sure. But also, just, you know, we talked about this the stench of the Jets and the stench of the New York football teams and you know, we're leaving Buffalo out of this, you know, in terms of New York state, but the stench of that stadium, I guess, MetLife, right? The giants and jets. I don't think it's as stinky for the giants. I see them being able to better respond to the fact that you got embarrassed last week. Like the jets got embarrassed and then came back out and then got embarrassed again. The giants at least yeah, the Giants, at least we've seen them be functional. So yeah. I can say, hey, you know, as we move on to the Niners here, the Niners last week played without, and, and follow me here, played without QB1, RB1, RB2, TE1, TE2, wide receiver one, cornerback one, cornerback two, cornerback four, defensive end one, defensive end three, Defensive end four, defensive end five, LB two, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and their center. And still beat the Giants 36 to nine, had 400 plus total yards, zero punts all game, and three forced turnovers. How is that? Like, if you're the Giants, I, I just put that up on, on you know, the, the whiteboard and I say, listen. You got to do better than that, right? Like, that, that's just, come on. Like, they're a yeah. better team than that. And I think you and I were both on the Giants in that game. And yes. after you read all of that out, like, can you blame us? Right? <laughs> like, aren't we idiots if we take the 49ers and, like, <laughs> right. the Giants win? And you go, like, did you not see the injury report? Like, 
figure it out, right? Like, I don't feel as bad when you read it out like that now. Like, sure, the result on the board was almost instantly, you're like, oh, I'm not going to win this bet, like, at all. (laughs) But, like, again, you read it out like that, and it's like, okay, the the point was there. Like, It it made me feel better. Yeah. It made me feel a bit better, you know, because there's guys out there for my own team. Like, that is my squad. And I'm like, who's that guy? <laughs> right? So how do you feel about your squad this week then? Sunday That's night what I'm football saying, game. right? We got the Eagles. Sun- Niners at home, touchdown favorites. And I, I kind of bunch this together with the Seahawks being six-and-a-half-point favorites in Miami. I bunch these together because I'm looking at the Eagles and the Dolphins as both, like, frisky teams that I'm afraid of the backdoor cover, right? Like both of those games, I'm looking at that. And, and as much as I want to take the Niners, same thing, you know, we talked about the organizational depth. And right now, I just don't think the Eagles are a tire fire. But I still don't think that from an organizational standpoint, they are that messed up that they can't give the Niners a go with all these backups. Like I, it's it's weird. And, and maybe I should just give up on the Eagles because I'm thinking of them in past seasons and all that, but it's the seven points. It's the backdoor cover that has me worried more than anything. I see the Niners winning, you know, but the backdoor cover, what, what are you thinking? Well, this one's interesting, right? So like on, from a football standpoint and sort of watching football and kind of trying to figure out these teams, right? Like football teams are like people, right? Like they're going to tell you who they are, right? Like relationships uh-huh you know, family members, whatever, right? They're going to show you and tell you who they are. Maybe not in words necessarily, but by actions, right? And it's on you if you cease to believe what you're seeing from that girl that you went out with a couple of times, right? And so when it comes to the Eagles, it's like, yeah, you want to believe that this team is something, but they're trying to tell you right now <laughs> that they're not, right? Like they are doing everything in their power to show you that Carson Wentz is not very good right now. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you like what's the issue like what, and break all of that down for you. But all I see is that he's not very good right now. And so from a sort of line perspective, this opened at six. I grabbed all the six because, you know, where is it going to go? Right. Because mm-hmm. if the standard right now is Mullins as the quarterback, then it, you know, like if the only thing that's going to happen is that Jimmy G comes back and the line moves up. Right. Okay. So if he comes back, then my minus six is really good. And the line has moved up. So there's some, that feels like some indication that he is coming back because on the Kittle. flip side, I can't go minus seven on Mullins, right? Like that's the thing. So when, if it's minus seven and it's Mullins, then I think the Eagles are as disgusting as it makes me feel. And certainly not going to be a play with any confidence. Then that's the play. If Jimmy G comes back, I sit back, I got my minus six and I'm completely content with that and going, you know what Eagles, you show me what I'm supposed to like about you at this point in time. Whereas the 49ers has shown me everything that I'm supposed to like about them. That it doesn't yeah. matter that they have a long laundry list of guys out. They can still win games. Is the competition getting a little steeper against the Eagles here than it was against the Jets and the Giants? Maybe. Like, that's <laughs> the disappointing part. That's so it's sad. Not, yeah. Yes. Right? Like, it's Maybe. Yeah. And that's all you kind of need to know here. For me at seven, 
I'm gonna, first of all, I'm going to need to know who the quarterback is. Like George Kittle's coming back, which is obviously a massive thing for their offense. Yep. That, by the way, scored 30-some-odd points last week. So, man, you're going to have to really sell me on the Eagles, and Mullins is going to have to be involved prominently for me to even consider it. But right now, I feel like I'm sitting pretty at minus six with my bet, and I know that's not all that exciting because that number's long gone, yeah. but that's just where I'm at with that game. No, no, no. I hear you. And, and a couple of things here in terms of the Niners, like if people are confident in the Niners, I'll, uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again. There's not much of a difference between Garoppolo and Mullins. And, and Shanahan's been trying to tell us that for a couple years. And Jimmy G just kind of did enough to not lose his job, essentially. Like he's played well. I don't want to take anything away from him because he has played well. But I stress this over and over again, and I think we've just been seeing this. The Niners offense is based off scheme. And I talked about, we talked about it earlier with the Patriots in terms of the run game. They just got to figure out how they're going to attack your line, whether it's going to be outside runs or inside runs, zone reads, whatever. Once they figure that out, doesn't even matter who their running back is. Like, it does, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it I get that. Yeah, but it I doesn't. Get that. And so now, especially, you saw that the last couple of weeks. And so Kittle coming back is huge. If you, I bet we'll see some packages with Jordan Reed and Kittle in, which will make things a little extra spicy. But uh, the rookie, the rookie receiver, uh, Ayuk. He looked great last week, filling in that role in a lot of the routes and stuff we saw Debo run last year. But that's why it doesn't really matter whether it's Mullins or uh, Garoppolo, because a lot of it is check down, check down, you know, like hitting easy reads. If it's throwing the deep ball, he's throwing it into space more so than throwing it into, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't matter as much, but I understand what you're saying though. Trust me. I, I get what you're saying, but I, I'm just, my, my counter is just, if you're on the Niners, already with Mullins don't right. let Garoppolo coming back like over like change your narrative too much is I guess right I'm but I just mean from like from a point spread standpoint context matters right so okay. like does Mullins make a difference you know when the line is you know two and a half right like okay, I see no maybe not right or against sort of a bad team like no maybe not but like is it going to make a difference against a good team or is it going to make a difference when you need to cover a number that requires you to win by more than two scores, right? Okay. Like the bar okay. is set considerably different when, you know, the Packers come to town or the Seahawks game, right? Like, you, you know, as much as you go like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like when the Seahawks game rolls around, you're going to want Jimmy G in, right? Like it, it's going okay. to be different. Like there's going to be more stuff. Right, oh, and, and that's, that's me fine. being the fan. That's me being the fan. Sure, that's me being the fan. Sure, but and you know, only time will tell, and maybe we yeah, never yeah, get to yeah, see yeah, that yeah. if if Jimmy G's back. But like, everything is different, right? And when you start, when you put a number, whether it's a point spread or a money line price to any team, right? Valuation matters, and yeah. they are two different human beings. So there has to be a difference somewhere, and it might be Not so much. small that it only matters in twenty five or. 10% of the schedule and it might only matter relative to winning by six points versus 10 points. Do you know no, what I, I mean? No, and I, I just, totally get If you. I'm going to trust them in big games, right? They won that. They made it to the Super Bowl last year, right? Oh, so they yeah. want to do big games. I don't think they make the Super Bowl with Mullins. I still think they're a very good team, but mm -hmm. I don't know that they win the Super or get to the Super Bowl uh, without him. But if you're asking him to cover a big number, 
against a decent-ish team that we think, you know, again, the Eagles are showing us what they're showing us, but in <laughs> no, theory, it, and again, it might not be this week. Like, I, I don't know who they play next week. It, it will come in at some point that Mullins ain't it. And it's just, yeah. that's the point of a good backup quarterback is to sort of trick you for three or four games into thinking that he can do it. And that's how a lot of these teams get in trouble because they let the incumbent starter go and go, we'll just ride with our backup quarterback. He's good enough. And then he's yeah. in charge for 16 games. And you're like, oh, so he was a backup for a reason, right? History is littered with those types of mistakes. I don't know why instantly Kyle Allen comes to mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that. I don't know I, why that came to mind. Well, there was like twelve seconds where people thought Kyle Allen was better than him, <laughs> right? Like there was, really but like it was a thing games. that happened. It was a yeah, thing that happened. And it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. And then you give him eight games, and you go, oh, okay, right? Like, <laughs> like bring on Teddy two gloves. <laughs> well, this is a weird, con- you know, comparison. But Carlos Correa of the Houston Astros, yeah. right? If Carlos Correa just never said a word, I wouldn't think that Carlos Correa is a total idiot, right? But because Carlos <laughs> Correa keeps talking about, you know, the Astros cheating scandal, I have now found out that Carlos Correa is a moron, right? <laughs> so if I never see Mullins or whatever backup uh, quarterback play, I would just think that he's pretty decent and he's functional. Yeah, but if he yeah. keeps talking, if he keeps playing in a football yeah. game, eventually I'm going to realize he stinks, you know what I mean? So yeah, the more information gathered, we find more. out their yeah. Yes. The backup, you find out their limitations, right? You find yes. out what they can do with the more information. I got you. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a lot of information on the Dolphins. Most importantly, Yaman's Fitz Magic and his ability to cover backdoor spreads. And as I look at the six and a half points, and there's going to be points everywhere in this game, I would assume with the Seahawks offense. But more importantly, the Seahawks' defense not being as good as we think, which is something you've been on from the start of this season that we've been doing this pod for. I'm looking at the Dolphins thinking I'm on that six and a half points, hoping that it goes some more with the people just thinking, oh, it's the Seahawks and Russ and let Russ cook and they'll kill the Dolphins. They're not good. Are you with me here with the Dolphins? 100%, man. 100%, I think. And I'm really proud of you, quite frankly. Hey! <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's the mother of all spots, right? Because you've got this Seahawks team that came out guns blazing against the Falcons, right? Which is a game that was a little bit closer than was indicated, right? The Falcons missed a bunch of fourth downs. The Seahawks scored a touchdown on their fourth down back in week one. And then you've got these absolute slugfests the last two weeks against the Patriots and the Cowboys, right? That like on paper were 60 minute games, but I think each game was like 95 minutes with just the amount of possessions, the amount of high leverage plays, right? Just teams taking shots at each other, left, right, and center, two point conversion safeties, all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And now you go, all right, you let down, you go to Florida, still pretty hot out there, right? We sort of talk about the September Florida, right? It's officially October, but it's still gonna be a little warm. Mm -hmm. You've got a team that can move the ball in the Dolphins, who's very well coached, right? I think Brian Flores is one of the better coaches in the entire league right now. We are finding that out for sure. Yeah, and they're getting, they've got some extra rest, right? They're getting healthier. They're feeling pretty good about themselves after that win, right? So confidence matters, right? When you go Mm -hmm. 0-2 and you need that win in week three and you get it, that can be a springboard for the rest of your season. Now, I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs necessarily, but they're Mm -hmm. now going, they can believe in themselves going forward, right? And Mm -hmm. so 
from a market standpoint, this every time this game has touched seven, it has gone right back to six and a half. Ah. So people are waiting for it to hit seven and then bang in plus seven as soon as they get it. Right. And so that's why this thing keeps going back to six and a half because the sports books are literally like, we'll take all your Seahawks money. We'll take them all. We'll take them all. Ooh, that's a bit much. Let's go to seven. Boom. There's a bunch of Miami money and they go, okay, 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 okay. Let's go back to six and a half and keep taking Seahawks money. If that was too much. Right. Like it's that kind of game of chicken when it comes to that, from a football standpoint, Ryan Fitzpatrick's moving the ball down the field. The Seahawks have no pass rush right now. And Jamal Adams was slash is slash was filling in a lot of the holes there, right? He's all over the field. Well, he misses the end of the game last week, questionable potentially for this week, right? And so what if he's not even playing? I mean, even if he is, right, can he do all of that? But like, what if he's not? What if he's 80%? What if he only lasts a quarter and a half before, you know, this injury sort of rears its ugly head again, right? Who else on that Seahawks defense is going to make that play? So they're going to score, right? Russ is going to do his thing. Don't get me wrong, but this is, again, another one of these games. This is the season of 35-31, right? Give or take. Now, sometimes it's going to be 38-31, and, you know, it's like the Seahawks and Cowboys, and you're going to be like, how did they not cover that? But most of the time, it's going to be two-point conversions and blah, 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 to just get ahead just barely. In some cases, like the Packers last week, the underdog's going to win by 10 points in a game that was essentially a coin flip you know, into the fourth quarter. So another one, sign me up, all the points with the Dolphins, but try to be the guy who hits that seven when you get that available to you. I like it. I like it. Uh, So picking up on these little, taking the points when possible for sure, especially in the Vegas zone. That's another, you know, thing we're we're looking out for here. I love that you also mentioned, I'm not a big over-under guy, but I do love the note that you mentioned about the overs hitting a lot more just because obviously defenses, um, defenses, forget that, offenses, pardon me, on the road, you're not really affected by, you know, the, the crowd. So there is no crowd obviously so i like that little note that little tidbit but i do have the question there for people who do like the over-unders does vegas adjust for that at some point and realize and kind of like start setting the baselines a little differently and taking that into account yeah it's gonna happen at some point right like there are like it's going to get to that point the other factor is that the games are being officiated differently this year There are far less holding calls on offense. Maybe you've noticed it. Maybe you've, you know, maybe you haven't noticed it because you're just less frustrated with how many (laughs) calls get called back, right? Like, isn't it always like, you know, big score, big play. We got to wait four or five seconds to find out whether there's a flag on the play and you're relying on this like broadcast. And like, I swear it broadcasts all the time for not noticing the flag quicker. Cause I'm like, (laughs) you know, like I can't trust you people. And so but like that's happening less, right? Because I don't know if it's like a response to COVID and like wanting people to like the game more sort of, you know, yeah. a mind meld type of a thing mm, here, but that's happening. And on the flip side, defensive pass interferences are up. So these are two pretty significant things, right? Like way less big plays getting called back and more big plays being allowed or sort of accentuated by defensive pass interference, right? There's also, of course, from like you said, with the crowd thing, right? Less false starts 
happening this year, which is less of a league mandate and more just, again, no, no crowd to mess up with the, with the signal call. So um, are they going to adjust? Yeah, probably, but like how much, right? Like we don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. like how, what this translates to on a sort okay. of week to week basis because it's not just like one team is scoring more, both teams are scoring more. So instead of it being like, you know, the line, you know, 54 seems really high. It's like, yeah, but if they both get to 28, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's, it's not like you're keeping one team down because of the crowd noise and they're on the road I and they're not you. scoring as much. It's both teams are getting all the advantages of, in the world offensively. So you cannot bet an under at this point until something gives here. Like, I got and you. With the, Kind of crazy, considering some of these are really, really high. I got you. I got you. Uh, so two last things that we finish up each and every week with, the sucker bet of the week and the survivor pick. First off, though, what, what are you looking at in terms of the sucker bet? Have we gotten there already? Is it something we talked about or not yet? Uh, there's a couple. And, again, I couldn't be prouder of you. I think you – I think the Dolphins, or in this case, the Seahawks, would be the sucker bet of the week, right? But I think we okay. sort of sussed that out. The other sucker bet of the week was going to be, or not shouldn't have been going to be, and again, it's funny because you could literally be watching this game while you're listening to this, or this could have happened yesterday, but it was going to be Denver minus two and a half, right? Okay. Because that's where the look-ahead line was for that game. That's where the line was to start the week, and then money comes crushing in on the Jets and makes them a one-point favorite. So if that hadn't happened, Denver minus two and a half was going to be the sucker bet of the week because that line was just incorrect. I don't know if it took people a couple of days to rewatch the Broncos and Buccaneers game from Sunday to realize that the Broncos are in just as much trouble right now as yeah. the Jets are, but that line moved so it can no longer be sort of considered the sucker bet of the week because the market has literally shown us like what we're supposed to do with it. Right. Yeah. And so I still think at that point, then it's probably that Miami game. I that gotcha. We've already sort of sussed out. We were all over it last week by getting yeah. Minnesota plus the two and a half, right. Waited. Yeah. We got the three, two that was widely available on Sunday. And sure enough, frankly, they should have won that game. But remember the Vikings stink and yep. still managed to lose that game. So um, beyond that, like, I don't know, are you going to lay points with Cincinnati, right? Like that's not all that, all that interesting. I'm sure a lot of people are maybe taken a little bit aback by liking Cleveland as much as I, as much as I yeah. do. Um, but from a betting like percentage standpoint, Seattle's getting 79% right now of the betting tickets. No, I, I so like that's that. completely understandable. The big favorites are getting the, you know, the a lot of tickets but that's understandable um so i think yeah i think right now the the most surprised people will be is when miami covers and may even win that game against seattle on sunday no i hear you man i hear you for sure and the survivor pick of the week still surviving in week four still surviving yeah the circa the circa survivor uh you know, podcast entry that we're, that we're involved in is still going 675 people remaining from an original 1390. So we've gotten half more than half of people out of the way here. Listen, you know, we talked about this, right? There's two teams that you use this week. It's either Baltimore or the Rams. Fundamentally, my rule is if me selecting 
I would be taking the home team, right? I don't want a road team, even in COVID times where the stadiums are empty. I don't want the road team. There will be other times where we can save and take the Ravens later. This is a perfect spot for the Rams. Now, normally I would say that everybody's going to be on the Rams, but last week I thought the Colts were the obvious survivor pick and 50% of people didn't, right? It was so weird to me. Some of them were successful. Yeah, yeah. Successful, but so not everybody got knocked out. But I was stunned to see on Saturday night that the Colts were only fifty percent taken with the survivor selections in the Circus Survivor Contest, which is right now the biggest survivor contest, legal survivor contest in the world. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe the Rams aren't as obvious as I think they are, and maybe a lot of people will take the Ravens. But even if both survive, I feel like that gives us and you out there the advantage of keeping the Ravens for later. And I don't think it's overthinking it because I think the obviously the market decrees that the Rams have just as much a chance to win this week as the Ravens do. So it'll be fine. Ravens, Rams, take it, you know, whatever. And, but like, we're going to be on the Rams and, you know, people can take the Ravens and we'll save them for later on in the season. I like it, my dude. I like it. And this was another great week on the pod. Really enjoyed it so much. Like a lot of great info, a lot of good back and forth, starting to like see things a little differently, pick up on things. I, I, I like the vibe we got going right now. I feel a lot better about this week going into this week than I did last week. Who knows what that means? Maybe I'm just, you know, feeling a little better at noon on Thursday when we're taping this, <laughs> but either way, Thank you again for, t- for joining us, uh, my guy, Mr. I almost called you Andrew Webster. That was a thing that almost happened. But that's just, you know, because <laughs> well, I'm in well, the basketball vibe. No, I'm in the <laughs> basketball vibe. That's what's in my brain right now, trying to, like, suss out what's wrong with the Miami Heat. But speaking of, though, you had a lot of success on your pod discussing some NBA stuff going on on the window pod, right? Just and on your on your Twitter account, handing out some some mega winners last night as well. Give the people yeah. the info where they can find out that information because you're out here handing out winners all over the place, not just in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Right, like we come on and we talk about football, and that's like let's be honest, my favorite thing to talk about and the thing that I get up for every year. But my podcast is Monday to Friday, Sundays as well during football season, but fundamentally Monday to Friday. And we talk about all of the major sports as they sort of come about, right? You're going to get golf previews for majors, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But, you know, yesterday we had the NBA finals. And of course, we've been betting NBA games all the way through here, right? And so for me, there's stuff that happens throughout the day that I want to get out to the listeners who, you know, I didn't know when I was, you know, when I posted the podcast, I didn't know that I was going to be deep into the prop scene. And so I'll post stuff on Twitter at mrossauthentic. And it just so happened that I had just a really good run last night of, you know, Bam Adebayo points under and Jimmy Butler points over and LeBron points under and LeBron assists and rebounds over and Anthony Davis under. And listen, I could bore you with the details on why that all happened. And you can listen to my podcast for that. That's where we go to get all of those details. But the point is, is that it's not just football. It's hockey. It's basketball. It's all kinds of stuff. And you never know when the day is where you're going to have the sweep, right? Is it going to be a baseball day? Is it going to be a basketball? day a hockey day whatever and it just so happened that last night for game one it was a big basketball day amazing my dude amazing and again 
make sure that you follow my guy on social media at mrussauthentic on Twitter. And hey, just handing out winners. Just handing out winners. The same thing. Our little corner of the internet, man. Our little corner of the internet. Exactly. I like it, man. And, you know, same thing we try to do here on this podcast is, you know, this was week four. Really appreciate it as well. As my name is Shell Alexander, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And of course, like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube. Just search On Blast Podcast or my name, Sheldon Alexander, and it will pop up. Tons of stuff still going on on the On Blast feed. Of course, we got this podcast as well as the aforementioned Ball On Blast podcast with Mr. Andrew Webster, where we discuss everything going on in the NBA uh, from, you know, on the court, off the court, all the jokes, Twitter drama, all that beef. We got that on that podcast as well. Again, just search On Blast podcast for that and this. And of course, as mentioned, as I close every podcast, I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is, I'll name this football pod later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.